Welcome to From the Front Porch, a conversational podcast about books, small business, and life in the South. To love a person is always to love in spite of the faults that intimacy reveals. And so it is with a place. Margaret Wrinkle, Graceland at Last. I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. And this week, we're back with the second episode in our new series, From the Bookshelf Files. I'll be joined in conversation by Bookshelf Community Manager and entrepreneur in her own right, Felicia Dilbert. Throughout this year, you'll hear us talk more about the businessy side of the bookshelf, our store's growth and the ups and downs of small business ownership, what life looks like at the bookshelf and how it's changed over the years, and how ideas like reader retreats and shelf subscriptions come to fruition. Today, we are talking about small business woes. Before we begin, we wanted to let you know we are getting ready to announce our upcoming reader retreat dates for 2023. And as we've done in the past, we're letting Patreon supporters know all the details first. You can become a Patreon member at patreon.com forward slash from the front porch. We'll announce to $50 patrons first, then $20 a month patrons, then $5 a month patrons. So now is the time to adjust your Patreon support if you want to be the first to know about our reader retreat dates. Patreon support not in the budget this month? That's okay. We'll announce retreat dates in our free weekly newsletter. Just make sure you're signed up through the link in our show notes. We cannot wait to host more of our From the Front Porch listeners and bookshelf friends in 2023. We just finished our February reader retreat and it was a smashing success. There are some of our very favorite things to do and we would love to see you there. You can visit patreon.com forward slash from the front porch for more information and to make sure you're supporting us on Patreon. Back in January, we launched our From the Bookshelf File series. You can go back and listen to our first episode. That's episode 407. If you want to hear me talk with Felicia about the bookshelf's origin story. Now, Felicia and I are back to continue these business-minded discussions. Hi, Felicia. Hi, Annie. Welcome back to From the Front Porch. Thank you so, so very much. I'm so glad to be here. Yay. I'm thrilled to get to talk to you. Even though small business woes sounds like a negative thing, I don't think it is. It's just part of the ebb and flow of a a small business. Absolutely. I think about without wins, we don't have woes. So wins (laughs) are a part of it. And then, of course, there's always that teachable moment. So that's how I look at a woe. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly right. You are a business owner and an author and an entrepreneur in your own right. And one of your own woes, we hope we conquered at the bookshelf a few weeks ago. Tell us about that. Absolutely. Listen, listen, listen. I um, had my first book signing in Georgia. Now I'm a Georgia girl being from Pelham originally, (laughs) born and raised. So, uh, which is a hop and skip from Thomasville. But this was my first signing in Georgia And so very much so full circle for me for it to be in Thomasville. I finished high school at Thomasville High School a while back. Mm -hmm. And I I have to tell you, it was um, a true joy to have a book signing here at the bookshelf, having had a chance to fall in love even more with the culture and the energy that you've created here at this beautiful store. And um, the weather couldn't have been better. And it was a sold out event. And I felt like literally, you know, folks were buying a piece of my heart um, mm-hmm. when they bought my book. And it was so well attended and just really speaks to all the different ripples that I can see this this beautiful legacy of this store contributed to. It's extremely special. So yes. I'm so glad you got to do that. So Felicia is an author. She has a book called Beautiful Healing, which you can find through the link in our show notes. It's available on the Bookshelf website. And because of Felicia's past work and current work as a writer and an author, she also functions as the Bookshelf's community manager, particularly dealing with our local author community. So if you're listening to this and you have written a book too, and you, like Felicia, maybe are struggling with 
sales of that book or figuring out how to promote that book. If you're a regional author, particularly from North Florida or South Georgia, we would love to help you. And so you can go to our show notes and email Felicia at community at bookshelfthomasville.com. You can also go to bookshelfthomasville.com where you will see links to pages for local authors. You can find out more about our author process and Felicia can help walk you through that and turn your woe into a win, we hope. (laughs) Yes, yes, most definitely. And just a quick plug for the Bookshelf's Local Authors Collective, which will be rolling out in May. And this is a neat opportunity for folks that are, maybe you haven't written your book yet, but you really want to write a book. You have a story to tell. You have ideas that just keep coming back up and you're not sure what to do with them. Well, the bookshelf here in Thomasville has a solution for that. So if you're interested in more information about that as well, please send me an email, community at bookshelfthomasville.com. Perfect. All right. Yes, Annie. So let's pivot. Bookshelf woes. (laughs) Your your baby, the bookshelf, turns 10 this year, this May. Is that accurate? (laughs) That is right. You know, she's technically... She's technically 30-something, maybe even approaching 40. But for me (laughs) (laughs) and my tenure with her, we are approaching our 10-year birthday slash anniversary. (laughs) Got it. Got it. Got it. Which which is so true, speaking to the passion and the heartbeat of of your business. It's been with you from the very beginning, sounds like. Yes, yes. That's right. So so in, in terms of, let's say, for example, pandemic, I think. We maybe maybe touched on this a little bit in the last episode, but obviously mm-hmm. that was a major woe. And <laughs> from what I've learned yeah. from you, I, I've seen how you have illustrated that same type of grit and focus dealing with different things this year. And I, I started in August of last year, but I've seen you really have that same sense of alignment with your values personally, as well as uh, how that translates over into business and the way that you take care of things and stay in the moment. I love that you recently said that you're not so much in a place anymore of, you know, throwing the spaghetti on the wall, but more so sustainability of what you've built. So with that being said, what are some of those things that, you know, if you could teach somebody something about, okay, here's a woe number one, you know, let's say somebody's interested in starting a business, starting a bookstore, what would a woe look like to you? What comes to mind? Yeah. So certainly the pandemic was a turning point for the bookshelf. I think the pandemic was a turning point for a lot of people and a lot of businesses too. But even before the pandemic, when Jordan and I took over fully, we took the bookshelf over fully in 2018, kind of took the finances into our own name, took out a small business loan. I think immediately one of the woes for me that I just was not prepared for was taxes, like, which sounds, it sounds like, oh, of course, Annie, small business owners pay taxes. But I knew that. I knew I was paying sales tax. I knew I was paying city taxes and county taxes and occupation tax and all kinds of things like that. But I just did not realize the toll that owning a small business would take on my personal finances and and I guess the shocking, the, the shocking, the shock that that is to go from being like a young married couple who gets tax refunds to owing the government money is, this <laughs> was really shocking to me. And I, I don't like talking about taxes or accounting, but I also want future small business owners or people who are entrepreneurial and are considering owning their own business or starting their own business, I do want them to be maybe a little bit more prepared than I was for for that, Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. that financial burden and that financial risk. And, um, I think the first year we fully owned the bookshelf, we just owed a lot of money and it was just not Mm -hmm. a sum I was at all anticipating. And now Mm -hmm. We don't do our taxes ourselves. We work with an accountant. We mm-hmm. plan in advance. We plan throughout the year. We save money throughout the year to be able to pay pay those taxes. So I really just wanted to mention that. It's not something I want to dwell a ton on because mm-hmm. everybody's business is so different and mm-hmm. what they owe and and how they owe it and how they pay it will all be different depending on right. your small business. But one of the best things I did for my own sanity and for the bookshelf's growth and stability was hire a bookkeeper and hire an accountant. For Mm -hmm. so long, I was functioning as the bookkeeper. 
Mm-hmm. And while I'm glad, mm, am I glad? No, I'm grateful that I, <laughs> I'm grateful that I have those basic skills and that I know the and have a basic understanding. I am so mm-hmm. glad that that ball is now in a professional's court. And so yes. when I talk to small business owners or prospective bookstore owners, that's one of the first things I say is that other things you can kind of put off. But to me, hiring a trustworthy accountant and bookkeeper should be at the top of your, <laughs> your list Absolutely. for your own sanity's sake, for, for, your mm-hmm. own, for your own sanity and for your own peace of mind, I think. Um, mm-hmm. Finances are something that I think will always plague me a little bit. Bookstores mm-hmm. are not particularly high profit. And so I know that I'm always going to have money woes. Like that is something that I think is just part of owning a bookstore. But there mm-hmm. are ways to be proactive to have a little bit of security, to have a little bit of stability. And I think part of that is finding an accountant, finding a bookkeeper and knowing, okay, I'm probably going to owe taxes at the end of this year. So how can I, you know, save money throughout the year to make it hurt a little bit less? Absolutely. That's a great point. And it it really speaks to that nuance of the person that is just getting started and wondering, where do I put my money? If there's a profit... Where does it go? So it sounds yes. like bookkeeper, uh, accountant would be a great yes. place for that to go. Got it. Unless you are fortunate enough to have a business degree or an MBA and that com- stuff comes naturally to you. I think other parts of small business ownership come naturally to me mm-hmm. and bookkeeping and accounting aren't one of them. And to finally be able to look at our finances and to realize, oh, I have a little bit of money. Like you said, I have some money. Where can I put it? And to also know and acknowledge, I don't have to be the expert here. I can be an expert in other things. I do not have to be the expert in this. For my own peace of mind, I can hire an expert to do this part. Absolutely. Absolutely. I remember crossing that bridge and I was so stressed out. And when (laughs) I found a solution for that, I'm like, oh, I I felt inspired again. The creative ideas were coming because all of that wasn't in my wheelhouse and I was able to get back to the fun stuff. So that's a good point. Awesome. So then one follow-up question to that, I notice on days when it's time to pay bills, you know, and you'll say, I'm taking care of the bills today. How do you deal with, I guess, nuancy, if that's a word, Mm -hmm. kind of feelings Mm -hmm. that may come up on those days. Um, Mm -hmm. I guess what I'm trying to say is it may not be a a woe anymore about having a hired an accountant, but just those woe moments, I guess, that can come up to that. How do you manage so that that doesn't derail your day? Yeah. Oh, that's such a good question because I think money is the thing that most often makes me (laughs) vomity. (laughs) (laughs) about about owning in my own business. Um, Look, we have a bookkeeper, we have an accountant, but I still pay the bills. And I've thought long and hard about who could I delegate that to? What would that look like? But the reality is by paying the bills, I can better manage and understand the cash flow of the bookshelf. And so I still pay the bills. It helps me know how much we're spending. It helps me know where that money is going. I do not, again, I do not claim to be an expert at those things. If if somebody came to me and was like, Annie, teach me your ways about cash flow, I would say, no, I can't. <laughs> you should go find somebody else. I can help teach you other things, maybe marketing or book buying or something like that. I would not feel comfortable teaching somebody cash flow and bill pay. But I have worked out a system that works for me. I think everybody, there's almost an unspoken thing at the bookshelf now. Now that I have my own office, which it took years to get to this point, but now that I have my own office, if the door is closed, that means I'm doing some kind of work that I'm trying to do uninterrupted. And Mm -hmm. that often is bill pay. And -hmm. it's because I got to turn on either some music or a podcast, sit down, open all my mail, organize Mm -hmm. all the bills, you know, structure it out, plan it out. I'm a big planner. You know, what am Mm -hmm. I paying this week? What am I paying next week? Etc. And so for me, bill pay is my way to still keep a finger on the pulse of the business and the cash flow side of things. Mm-hmm. But then anytime I hit, like, let's say I get something in the mail from the Department of Revenue, that would have used to make me, I would get, I would be sweaty over that. Like if I got mm-hmm. something in the mail from the Department of Revenue, I would start to think, oh no, what have I done? Just immediately, worst case scenario. And right. now I feel like I open that mail, I read it. 
I try to understand it. If it's something I can understand, maybe I solve it. But if not, I now have somebody on my team, my bookkeeper, my accountant, who I know I'm going to trust them with this because I don't trust myself always with this. And so to me, that's the difference is realizing I'm not the only person doing this anymore. There is somebody behind me. And that is something so comforting because so much of small business ownership even though it is a team, the bookshelf is a, a team and a, and a big team because we've gotten to be mm-hmm. a big team. But there is still some stuff that really only falls on the owner's shoulders. And that's how it's supposed to be. The big financial stresses should not fall on Olivia's shoulders. They're supposed to fall on mine. I'm who took the risk. I'm who signed the papers. It should fall right. on me. And so, so much of small business ownership, some of those big stressors do fall on me or on Jordan. It's nice to know that behind me and Jordan, there is an accountant helping us make plans, helping us read documents. And Jordan is a big part of that too. I say accountant, I say bookkeeper. Mm-hmm. It's also helpful to have married an attorney. I didn't know mm-hmm. that, would a, mm-hmm. that would be a pro, <laughs> uh, but, but it is. It's something that I find helpful. If there's something I get in the mail or if there's something I see that I don't fully understand, I have somebody who's got my back who's helping me interpret that and helping me follow that. And so, absolutely, yeah, bill pay days are big days. They're days when the door of the office is closed. They're days when I sit and I try to keep things organized. That's my number Mm -hmm. one tip, I guess, to keep things organized. And I get those skills from my mom. But I think it's also just having somebody on your team who can also help you interpret those things and help have your back so that you don't feel like it is all falling on you. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's that saying, you know, there's a cost to be the boss, you know, so that's what that that makes me think about and what you're speaking of. Yeah, there should be a cost like that's part of it that, you know, we Jordan and I talk all the time. Good bosses bear those heavy burdens that because right. they're supposed to. <laughs> they're Ab- so, absolutely, they're absolutely, to. absolutely. And yeah. I believe that the the way that they do that, right? The mm-hmm. what it, the way it looks, the way it feels to the employee, the way it is translates to the world is what makes the difference yeah. between the good ones yeah. and the great ones. So, so speaking of which. Another woe um, that I was just thinking about, and I'm curious how how it, this has impacted you. Mm-hmm. Have you ever dealt with comparing your business to other businesses? Yeah, I think for so long, I didn't know what I was doing. And because I didn't know what I was doing, there wasn't time for comparison. Like there, <laughs> there was just mm-hmm. like, put your blinders on and do the work because... I didn't really know what else to do. As the bookshelf grew a little bit and as I became more comfortable in my role, I do think there could be a tendency to like look around and see, oh, like how come that bookstore got that author? Or how come that bookstore got that feature in that publication? But I will say this about bookstores. I cannot speak to other businesses because I don't know other businesses. But in the bookstore world, because indie bookstores are so very indie and are so very independent, mm-hmm. comparison does not come naturally because every independent bookstore is so different. And so what works even in nearby Tallahassee might not work in Thomasville or probably won't work in Thomasville. What works at a bookstore in New York probably won't work here or may or may not work here. And so once I really realized, oh, the bookshelf's bread and butter cannot be author events, right? Mm-hmm. No mm-hmm. major author is coming through Thomasville. <laughs> you mm-hmm. and I both know Thomasville mm-hmm. has no interstate, no major airport. We're just not going to be like a hub for big name authors and big name publishers unless right. you're Delia Owens and you're from Thomasville. <laughs> just, right. just, there, that, and that's a very bizarre ex- exception. To, so, so I think once I understood... And I think this was a game changer. I don't think comparison was hard for me at first because it was just so, I was just in the trenches. And you can't really mm-hmm. compare when you're in the trenches. But then right. when I did start to compare, I think when I flipped the switch from the attitude of, oh, well, good for them. Like that works for them. It probably doesn't work here. And once I started focusing instead on what might work at the bookshelf or what could work at the bookshelf or in Thomasville, I think that just became a much healthier position from which to own a business, right? Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. looking at bookstores for occasional inspiration, but also not getting too bogged down into what other bookstores do because other bookstores are located in university towns 
or mm-hmm. in urban town centers or strip malls, and all of which look so different from what's mm-hmm. happening in Thomasville in rural South Georgia in this quaint downtown. And so once I mm-hmm. instead could just think, oh, that's fun or that's inspiring, but really instead focus on, I don't know, my own work and mm-hmm. and my own mm-hmm. store. I think just moving that focus and and yes, occasionally drawing inspiration from other stores, but really having the realization that what works for another store might not work. And instead of that being a bad thing for the bookshelf, spending my time and energy on implementing things that do work at the bookshelf. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm, a few years mm-hmm. ago, we stopped pursuing big name authors because we realized even if we got a big name author, we might not be able to show them a good audience. Like we might mm-hmm. not even be able to show them a large crowd because that's just not who we are. Right. So instead, let's host a pin to plate dinner where we can partner with a local chef and clear out the middle of the store. And that we sell out no problem. So I think it was just realizing what works for the bookshelf Mm-hmm. may or may not work for other stores. So the comparison thing, that's how I approach it. And that's how I've approached it for the last several years. And it's a lot better for my mental health and a lot mm-hmm. better for the health mm-hmm. of the store. Absolutely. Absolutely. It sounds like that your passion for what you do and the mm-hmm. love for what you've built really has a power of helping you stay in alignment to what you've been called to do. Yeah. Because it's almost like a kite, you know, like if you're steering it, you know, then it'll go in the direction you want. But all this other stuff could just be a lot of noise. I think partly that is my personality. So my personality really likes to turn the volume down. Like my my personality really likes quiet, not a lot of noise. And Mm -hmm. I think there are so many parts of my personality that I do not think are necessarily well-suited to entrepreneurship. But I think one thing that I'm really grateful to be an INTJ, Enneagram 5, is I think it comes more naturally to me to kind of ignore. And and I don't know another word except another phrase except to turn the blinders on. I also will say here that several years ago, some friends of mine who also run their own podcast, they kind of gave me the suggestion, and maybe they even talked about it on their show, but they were like, oh, we don't listen to pop culture podcasts. It was, I think it was Jamie from the podcast. She was like, oh, I don't listen to pop culture podcasts because I want to make sure our content is always fresh. And so I think one thing that's sometimes surprising to folks is I don't listen to a lot of book podcasts. I don't, Mm -hmm. I'm not subscribed to any book podcasts. Mm -hmm. Occasionally Mm -hmm. I'll listen to an episode. I want to support other book podcasts, but it helps me to not listen to other book podcasts. So I don't accidentally take content that's not mine or take ideas that's not mine or, you know, what if um, inspiration quickly, my journalism brain is always thinking of like, what happens when inspiration becomes plagiarism or something like that? Seriously. It it just helps me. I can support and shout out and cheer on other book podcasts, but I don't listen to those. And that's at the advice of these other wiser Mm -hmm. business owners who kind of set that precedent. And that was some a bit of advice that I'm glad I received early on because mm-hmm. it's not just the bookshelf, the store, right? There's also from the front porch. So there are lots of aspects to this business and lots of ways where comparison and the green-eyed monster mm-hmm. could come out to play. And we don't, we don't play that game. <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad to hear that. I, and, and, you know, it makes me think about like honoring your boys, you know, and the gifts mm-hmm. that you've been given with the bookshelf from the front porch, which Patreon supporters do an awesome job of helping to keep that going, you know? And it just speaks to stewarding that gift well Mm -hmm. by quieting all of that. So I think that's actually more of a superpower than a a personality (laughs) quirk, you know? Because, I mean, it it works. When I listen to you, I don't hear... Oh, this is residual, you know, thoughts of somebody else's. It doesn't sound like anyone else's. It sounds like you and Hunter or Aaron or whoever. Yeah. 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 That's what we know. That's, that's the goal. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Okay. So then another business well in terms of growing a team. What's that been like? <laughs> I I know that I have said this anecdote before. I say it all the time because it is true. But when I took over the bookshelf and my mom would come up from Tallahassee so that I could take a bathroom break 
because I was too scared to leave the floor of the bookshelf. Of course, now I, I would leave the floor of the bookshelf. I, I trust Thomasville. But at that time, I was so terrified of doing the wrong thing. I was so scared of somebody thinking that I was irresponsible, that this young whippersnapper from Tallahassee had come up and was going to ruin Thomasville's bookstore. I was so scared that I didn't even like to use the bathroom unless somebody else was in the store. I say that to say the team was small. So Mm -hmm. initially, the team was the former bookshelf owner, myself, a manager, maybe a part-time bookseller, and then it shrunk because when you inherit a team, Mm -hmm. that team might not want the kind of business, the kind of mission, the kind of goals that you want. And so Mm -hmm. that was, that was a growing pain, right? Was coming on Mm -hmm. board and becoming the new boss and the new owner of the bookshelf and inheriting a team and realizing, oh, we might have different visions and this is the vision going forward. And so do you like this vision? Is this something that appeals to you? And if not, we might have to part ways. And so that, Mm -hmm. that was painful. That was painful as a 27 year old business owner. Um, And so growing a team is its own thing, right? So now the bookshelf has nine to 10 employees. Michelle is our long distance employee. So really we're at about 10. And that is so vastly different from three. (laughs) And that is so different. And Olivia and Nancy both, this year they're celebrating their five-year anniversaries with the bookshelf. And so they they know awesome. what the team used to look like. And, and the team just used to be much smaller. And at the time, that was fine. And mm-hmm. that is what the bookshelf required. But mm-hmm. once the pandemic hit, once the podcast grew, once online orders grew, that's when our business needed to grow. And so pre-pandemic, really, in 2019 is when I took a trip with some other entrepreneurs that really did. It was another one of those kind of life-changing moments. And I'm so glad I went pre-pandemic because (laughs) because it set me on the right course Mm -hmm. that when March of 2020 hit, I had already started to make proactive changes to the bookshelf. Meaning when I took this literary London trip in the summer of 2019, these women kept talking about business coaches. And Mm -hmm. I remember sitting at a restaurant thinking to myself, excuse me, what? (laughs) Excuse me, business coaches are a thing you can have. And (laughs) from that point, finding a business coach, acquiring a business coach, that business coach got me through the pandemic, then finding a new business coach. And anyway, business coaching has been something that helped me hire and grow a team because that, I do think, hmm, I love hiring. I love growing a team. It is really hard. And and my business coach was so good and she would use the phrase that I had not heard before, but it's the phrase, put the right person in the right seat on the bus. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times mm-hmm. I was hiring a good person and, the, and perhaps even the right person, but I had them in the wrong seat. Mm-hmm. And so over the past mm-hmm. couple of years, it's really been about, okay, wait a minute, what are the seats? And then once I've established the seats then hiring for the seat. Instead of, I was really doing the reverse of that for a long time. I was hiring the right person or or a person I thought would be a good fit, but I was then crafting a role around them. Right. And that was great until retail, there's high turnover and that person leaves and now you've crafted a role around them and the next person is never going to fit that role because you've created that role for that person. And so switching that and setting the roles first and then hiring for the roles has been so much better for the bookshelf, mm-hmm. for me, for, and mm-hmm. I think for the team. I think for the people, it's better for them too to know yeah. the expectations, to know the role that has been established, the role that they're getting in. And I think it will help in the future when we do have turnover. Now, it won't be as traumatic <laughs> You know, before <laughs> if somebody left their role, it was awful because it was I like can only oh, imagine, no. <laughs> yeah, and and everything, uh, it, even maybe to, down to I don't know if you've always used Google, you know, for for emails, yeah. but even down yeah. to we don't even have the email information yes. from that person's positions yes. because of the Google space, you know, which That's is right. awesome. But I think that is yeah. really powerful. 
Um, and there's so much inclusivity in what you just said in terms of when you're interviewing that person and you're thinking about what skills they have and then being able to see, does that even fit here? Is there a right. seat for that? Because it might be that it's not, but it doesn't mean that they're not a great person, that you won't keep their information on file, you know? That's right. It's just a healthier way to interview for the person as well. Like mm-hmm. it helps them know, oh, this is actually about the role. It's not about you as a person. It's it's about the role. And so th- I hope that even hiring has become a gentler process for the candidates as well. Um, that's the Absolutely. goal because it hasn't always been that way. I've made a lot of mistakes. And look, sometimes I am hard on myself about that. And then I have to remember, well, I was 27 when I took this over. Yeah. The only, yeah. you know, the leadership experience I had was like, you know, being the editor of the school paper. And, so, mm-hmm. and that's just a very mm-hmm. different responsibility than the current one. And so, no, I have not always done it perfectly But I do think having a business coach helped and gave me wisdom. You know, that seat on the bus thing, I don't think Mm -hmm. that's new information. Probably another business owner out there is like, yeah, Annie, I've heard that before. (laughs) But I had not. And so to have Mm -hmm. somebody else say it to me was groundbreaking. It was like, oh, oh, you mean I can do that? Because hiring is hard and interviewing is hard. And to go in with this new mindset is so much better. Yeah, I, I love that. Um, would you like to to share who your business coach is? Yeah, I'll share. It's Emily Freeman. Emily P. Freeman is my business coach. Most people will know her from the podcast, The Next Right Thing. But nice. she and I met on the Literary London trip. And mm-hmm. I had a different business coach for a while who I loved, Beth Silvers, who's the co-host of the Pantsuit Politics podcast. But she stopped coaching and focused on that podcast full-time. And so I had to find a new coach. Mm-hmm. And Emily does creative coaching and for me, that creative coaching is business coaching and it falls under yes. the bookshelf. And I'm, I've been so grateful. She's especially helpful with growing and forming and sustaining a team and creating a sustainable system. Sustainability, I think, is a big goal for me right now. And so anyway, she's been really helpful with that. That's incredible. I think it's so powerful when you find that alignment with that mm-hmm. coach. I um, right. also want to reference that... It looks like the author of of the book that you reference, his name is Jim Collins, and the book is called Good to Great, Why Some Companies Make the Leap and Others Don't. So I can add that to the show notes. Yeah, we'll put that in the Mm -hmm. show notes. That's where that phrase, right seat on the bus, that's where it comes from. Um, I have not, (laughs) I've not read that book. Thank you, Emily, for making me not have to read that book. (laughs) It's a powerful, it's a powerful analogy though, you know, Um, and, and um, I, I will share too. I have a delightful business coach who I met um, through Instagram, but anyway, her name is Dr. Sandra and Mm. Sandra Dalton Smith. And um, she wrote a book called Sacred Rest. But again, Mm. that alignment is really powerful. And yeah, she just helps me to understand that you don't have to do everything right away. And you don't have to be on all the platforms, you know, right. TikTok and all that stuff. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you, yes. you can find what um, works for you. Exactly. Her words. Exactly. So I love it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, the other thing that I wanted to talk to you about in terms of you, and you just touched on it, Annie, but um, you know, how do you rest? How do you mm. break away I, I know on IG, Instagram, I see you travel. I know you just recently got yes. back from Cheer Cheer Her On weekend. And I yes. know other people do too. These thousands of people yeah. listening see you on there doing fun things. What <laughs> helps you to breathe when you're off? Yeah, I think that's such a key part to being able to handle the woes of small business ownership, right? And I haven't always done it very well. But for me, travel is great for both literal rest and then just creative rest. Travel is how I kind of, you know, that that saying, like, that's how I fill my cup. That's how I finally allow myself maybe to think creatively instead of in problem-solving mode or something like that. And so that is part of the reason I love to travel so much when I can is because, you know, we talk about the comparison game and comparison is not something I'm interested in, but inspiration is something I am interested in. Mm-hmm. And so traveling and going not just to different bookstores, but just to different places in general is a great way of gathering ideas and thinking creatively. I 
several, several years ago now, I visited a dear friend of mine in Kansas City, and she worked for a nonprofit, and they did these things they called, I don't even know what they called them anymore, but they essentially were literary lunches, and she Mm -hmm. just kind of mentioned them offhand, and how they would like bring in an author who would talk about books, and I looked at my friend and I said, wait, I think I could do that. And so Mm -hmm. that wasn't an idea from a bookstore. That was an idea, that was inspiration from a nonprofit in the Midwest Mm -hmm. that then Mm -hmm. I could tweak and work into the bookshelf's platform. And so that's part of the reason I travel. It's part of the reason I love visiting my friends because most of, I was going to say most, really none of my, none of my dearest friends owns a bookstore. Like, mm-hmm, <laughs> like mm-hmm. um, and most of my friends aren't necessarily entrepreneurs. I have some friends mm-hmm. who are entrepreneurs, but mm-hmm. many of my friends are just incredibly smart, well-rounded, thoughtful women. And when mm-hmm. I get to visit them and talk with them, that is so inspiring. And that fills me up and gives me energy. And so weekends like cheer her on or less scheduled weekends just with dear friends all of that is very helpful i also love my home i i i find a lot of rest in my home and i love coming home at the end of the day i love shutting down at the end of the day i very much treasure my time at home and that is where i find rest is because because in my house I'm not bookstore Annie, <laughs> in you know Jordan Jordan doesn't love me because of the bookshelf, <laughs> and so I am so glad that I have relationships and places where right. I am not Annie B Jones. I'm Annie Sue Butterworth, or I'm Annie, or I'm Annie mm-hmm. Sue. Like that that's how I find rest. Is I love what I do. I love it very much. The only way that I can do it and continue to be authentically me is by not owning a business, you know, 24 seven, like by turning that part of my brain off a little bit at the end of the day, right, by knowing right. that I, I am loved and cared for by people who are not related to the bookshelf. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And, and as you should. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, yes. So, and, and by the way, Annie, your house is beautiful. You decorate so Thank you. That's my mom. My mom always was so good at decorating and, and loving our home well. And I think mm-hmm. she loves to say my tastes are different from hers. And that's probably true, although certainly inspired by hers. But my house definitely looks like me and it looks like Jordan. But I'm so glad I had my mom to kind of show me, oh, this is... I Because I just love having a cozy comfy home at the end of the day. Absolutely. Good stuff. This could be, speaking of, again, your personality type. I'm thinking about the person right now that may say, Annie, how do you have the confidence to try different things? Like you Mm. talk with your friend at the nonprofit and she's doing something similar to literary lunch. Was there anything in you that was like, I don't know if I could do that in Thomasville. It sounds like Mm. that wasn't. It sounds like it was like, yeah, I can do this in Thomasville. But I'm thinking about people that the second guess themselves a little bit and just have a thing about making that decision to try something new. I think if you know your audience and you know your business well, then it is easier to be confident in the decisions you are making. So it really was pretty easy for me to listen to my friend talk and for me to then turn around and be like, okay, I think I can implement that here. It also became a lot easier to implement things like that when I had a team. Now, then the burden became greater, right? I don't want to implement something with a large team that then doesn't work. Whereas before, it was just my own time I was risking. (laughs) So there are pros and cons, right, to growing a team and and having a team that can help you try some of these things. I think I began throwing spaghetti on the wall. That's my favorite phrase because it's just the best Mm -hmm. way I know how to do it. Like you Mm -hmm. throw a lot of things on the wall, you see what sticks. And I think that's one of the perks of small business ownership is if something doesn't work, unless it was just this huge financial risk, it's not a big deal. Like it's not a big deal to fail. Because there's always going to be another idea or another thing to try. And so for something like a literary lunch, that felt like, oh, there's not a lot of financial risk there. It's literally 
planning it, putting tickets out there. If people buy them, great. <laughs> if people don't, we'll know. And, and there are other examples at the bookshelf of something that did not work, right? Where we tried something and it didn't work. And that didn't diminish my confidence. It just made me know, okay, Thomasville doesn't want that. Or, okay, our virtual friends, our long distance friends, they don't want that. And so as long as it's a low financial risk, I think it can be pretty, for me, pretty easy. What I would say to somebody else is just know your audience and your business really well. And then I think those risks are easier to take. I think it's easier to have confidence in something when you know your team, when you know your audience, when you know those things really well, I think the confidence comes more naturally. Absolutely. that That's an awesome answer to that. You are so well-versed in what you do and what you like and what has worked from your experience of being in this right. business. Like you mentioned in the beginning, it was not always that way and you don't know what you don't know. And then mm-hmm. uh, every day we learn something new. But I just encourage people that are listening not to compare their right now, you know, to where you are 10 years in. Oh, that's so, yes, that's so true because, because yes, I'm now I'm 37 talking to you on a podcast. So yeah, I'm way more confident than I was 10 years, 10 years ago. I I just hoped I knew what I was doing. Right. But now I still don't always know what I'm doing, but I definitely know better than I did. And I think that I know better. I certainly hope I know better now than I knew then what might work, what might not work. And I'm grateful. That's what experience brings. And there are pluses to being young and inexperienced because then trying maybe is easier because you don't have as much to fear. The older you get, perhaps you have a little bit more to fear. I don't know. But so there are pluses and minuses to both. But I do think one of the pluses of having 10 years of experience is is the ability to kind of know right off, oh, that'll work or mm, probably not. And if not, it's not the end of the world. Exactly. I love it. I was speaking with Denise who traveled for the reader retreat and we had a wonderful yeah. uh, dialogue, um, which, you know, shameless plug for reader retreat. They are awesome. <laughs> Definitely want to be on the lookout for the next one. But she yeah. called it life a life chat or whatnot. But really it was just mm. about the power of the weekend and how inspiring it was for her and to be able to go back to her life, having had a chance to just breathe with all these other people that love to read and and mm-hmm. that um love Thomasville and love the bookshelf. And it was just a real full circle moment for me, Annie, because I don't remember when the bookshelf was started. Um, you know, I'm mm-hmm. not it's been around for a long time, but I do remember when I was yeah. in high school and it was owned by someone else and, and a wonderful person. But I now know what it is like to work here and experience it in 2023 and it's all mm-hmm. good. And so it was just super special to be there with her and see this whole moment for her um, unfold. And like yeah. it is for so many other women that visit and men, you know, um, and shout out to Independent yeah. Bookstore Day coming up. You know, it's going to be fun. Yes, I hope. I definitely hope that Reader Retreat, for the people who get to attend, who choose to attend, I hope that it is for them what traveling and going places is like for me. I mean, that's what I want. I want, when I went to cheer her on or when I went to Literary London, I came back rejuvenated, refreshed, and also ready to go with new ideas. And and so I hope that the folks who get to come to read a retreat leave feeling the same way, whether mm-hmm. or not they work in, in fact, most of them don't work in mm-hmm. the book industry or in bookstore world, but maybe it just gives them the inspiration they need for their own work in nonprofits, in mothering, in the business world or whatever it is they're doing that's what traveling does for me. And so that's what definitely what I want reader retreats to be for other people too. Absolutely. Absolutely. I had a chance to connect with uh, Maddie from Iowa and Mary from Atlanta recently. And, you know, it's truly, I just have to say, because this, all of this is, I'm not used to all of this yet, Annie, like you are. (laughs) (laughs) So what I mean is just the lovely, lovely smiles and warm hugs and just excitement from women all over the world that are either emailing or or, or corresponding on Patreon 
or Mm -hmm. are on Instagram leaving a note or are liking different posts or are showing so much love to our recent visitors from Iowa and Atlanta. And they're just such a diverse group of ladies all over the world, moms, daughters, sisters, Mm -hmm. friends, teachers, you name it, and all for the love of books and for Mm -hmm. this beautiful store you've built, which a couple of ladies Mm -hmm. refer to as the Mecca of bookstores. (laughs) (laughs) And so I'm like, oh yeah, they are serious, serious about the bookshelf. Um, But it's just thrilling. And so I wanted to, to take time to add voice to what I say often here in person to you. Um, I think it's just something special about saying what you feel one-on-one to a person, but also in the company of others and and before Mm -hmm. others so that folks know, because some of this people would never know about, you know, we would just know here at the store. Oh, everybody loves the bookshelf, but I want people to know because it's so incredible. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's one. I mean, that's what we were talking about at the top, right? There are woes and I never want to shy away. I want to be transparent in as much as is possible about those woes, right? I want to be transparent about the growing pains. I want to be transparent about taxes. I want to be transparent about hiring. And I want to be transparent about the the hard stuff of small business because I just want people to be prepared if they, if and look, anybody in their job, whether they own a small business or not, there are hard parts. Like I have friends who are teachers, who are educators. There are hard parts to that job. And so there's hard stuff with every vocation. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to shy away from that. But like we were talking about at the top of the episode, without the woes, there wouldn't be wins and vice versa. And mm-hmm. so it is really exciting and comforting, especially I think after the stress of the last couple of years as far as the pandemic goes and the pandemic's impact on the bookshelf's business and things like that, it is really exciting and rewarding to see people come to the bookshelf from Iowa or from this weekend, somebody came from South Dakota, like to get to see them and to get to look them in the face and thank them for their long distance support and to realize, oh, the bookshelf has an impact far beyond the brick streets of Thomasville, which is something I wanted, but I didn't know was possible. And so that yeah. is a huge win. And and to get to celebrate something we talk about at the bookshelf often, because as a team, we're really good at problem solving and we're really good at identifying ways to make things better. And I'm so glad to be surrounded by people for whom that comes naturally. Like all of us can look at, for example, reader retreat, and we can look at things mm-hmm. that we want to tweak and make better. But mm-hmm. I also want to have a team that is really good at celebrating the wins because Absolutely. so often we can skip right over those. And so I'm mm-hmm. glad you said that today because I do think it is worthwhile to celebrate the happy things. So to honor the woes and what they teach us and yeah. then also to celebrate the wins too. So Absolutely. I love it. I love it. I love it. I uh, One last thing, something that comes to mind is when I had a chance to see the different faces of the folks that came to the book signing, and I've seen this happen with other local authors as well, When you see people walk in and they're drawn to your work and they pick it up and they flip through it, it for me is such a powerful feeling because I remember toiling over what that cover should look like and saying, you know, the color of the envelope isn't quite right yet. I've got to find another (laughs) gradient, you know. And so when I saw the ladies at uh, both of the read retreats, but especially the one in February, I just remember thinking, these are faces to folks. These yes. women are real, you know? Yes, yes. Folks that you dreamed up one day, right? I hope I can do this. Right. I hope. So I just hope that this resonates with folks that have dreams and things that they'd love to do and they just haven't seen it come to fruition yet. But it is so worth yeah. it because when it does come to fruition, it's beautiful. It is. You're absolutely right. I hope that talking a little bit about some business woes and business wins has been helpful to listeners today. If you have a question that you'd like us to address in an upcoming episode of Files from the Bookshelf, we would love for you to email Felicia those. So you can email Felicia at community at bookshelfthomasville.com. 
let her know what aspects of entrepreneurship, of small business ownership that you would like to learn more about. We have a couple of these episodes planned for throughout the rest of the year, and we would love your input as we build content for those episodes. So you can email Felicia at community at bookshelfthomasville.com. And of course, if you are a local or regional author trying to spread the word about your work, Felicia would love to hear from you as well and help you potentially schedule your own book signing at the bookshelf. Yay, sounds great. This week, What I'm Reading is brought to you by the 102nd Annual Rose Show and Festival here in Thomasville, Georgia. Come visit Thomasville for the weekend of April 28th and 29th and experience the flowers, fun, food, and shopping in beautiful Thomasville, Georgia. Plan your visit at thomasvillega.com. If you follow me on Instagram, you might know that last year I was able to be a judge for the Rose Show Parade during the Rose Show Parade and Festival in downtown Thomasville. It was one of the highlights of my Thomasville life. Rose Show is such a beautiful weekend filled with loads of fun festivities. It is the quintessential small town experience. The weather is beautiful. I mean, fingers crossed, right? (laughs) But even the year that it rained, Thomas Olds did such a good job of pivoting and making wonderful plans and just making everything feel so special. It's just a special weekend. And it's one of the weekends that I'm really grateful to live in this small town. And being able to judge the Rosho Parade was genuinely a highlight of my life here. So I hope you can come and join us for the 102nd Annual Rose Show and Festival here in Thomasville, April 28th and 29th. Go ahead and make your plans now, secure your hotel reservations, get your Airbnbs, because it's just a really lovely way to beckon spring and to enjoy all our small town has to offer. This week, I'm reading If We're Being Honest by Kat Shook. Felicia, what are you reading this week? I am reading BFF by Christy Tate. Thank you again to our sponsor, the 102nd Annual Rose Show and Festival here in Thomasville, Georgia. From the Front Porch is a weekly podcast production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in Thomasville, Georgia. You can follow The Bookshelf's daily happenings on Instagram at bookshelfteville, and all the books from today's episode can be purchased online through our store website, bookshelfthomasville.com. A full transcript of today's episode can be found at fromthefrontporchpodcast.com. Special thanks to Studio D Podcast Production for production of From the Front Porch and for our theme music, which sets the perfect warm and friendly tone for our Thursday conversations. Our executive producers of today's episode are Donna Hetchler, Cami Tidwell, Chantal C., Kate O'Connell, Nicole Marcy, Wendy Jenkins, Lori Johnson. Thank you all for your support of From the Front Porch. If you'd like to support From the Front Porch, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Your input helps us make the show even better and reach new listeners. All you have to do is open up the podcast app on your phone, look for From the Front Porch, scroll down until you see write a review and tell us what you think. Or if you're so inclined, you can support us over on Patreon, where we have three levels of support, front porch friends, book club companions, and bookshelf benefactors. Each level has an amazing number of benefits like bonus content, access to live events, discounts, and giveaways. Just go to patreon.com forward slash from the front porch. We're so grateful for you, and we look forward to meeting back here next week.